what is expected of you once you sign a contract of sale? Hi, I'm Sam Powell. And I'm Jared Krause, and we are the hosts of the Property Pals Australia podcast. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing a lot around the whole process on what steps you need to take once you've signed a contract for sale or just before you sign a contract for sale. Mm. First step basically is the solicitor having that contract reviewed, what's actually in that, and there's so much, um, and getting them to provide some feedback and, and next steps. Also talking about uh, organizing a building and pest check, how that can be worked out through the process of the sale as well and what's involved with that because there's so much in it. And then also reading through the building and pest check, liaising with the person who has done the building and pest check, having a call if you need and what's involved and why you need to do this in the right way mm. uh, when going through the deal. Yeah, and then we also jump into uh, for those that are subject to finance, uh, looking at you know what to expect in order to get your finance to go unconditional uh, we also touch base on the pre-settlement inspections and why they're important to conduct. Uh, and then looking at you know, handover, so the property becomes yours. And we also uh, throw a few you know, relatable stories and a few examples it's of some deals we've done. So there's, there's, hopefully you get a lot out of it. Um, but before we get stuck in the episode, I just wanted to tell you that this podcast is not the only way that we uh, do help people. And um, we, we can do it for free, obviously, through the podcast and through our resources. Uh, we have a really great resource on our website, uh, which is teaching you how to maximize your borrowing capacity. It's a mini course that we put together. Um, so check it, um, check it out and um, head to propertypowers.au forward slash resources and use this tool to, to buy a superior asset and uh, achieve a better return on investment. That's, uh, that's what we're all about, trying to make uh, good property decisions. So yeah, hope you enjoy the episode and see you on the inside. Welcome to Property Pals, the podcast where we share everything around how to build a property portfolio from researching areas, financing, structuring, buying, selling, and reinvesting to live a life of financial independence. As a disclaimer, any information shared by myself, Jared, Sam, and the Property Pals team is strictly general and should not be taken as constituting professional advice. You should consider seeking independent legal financial and taxation advice from a qualified professional. What to expect once you have put a contract in place and you're like, damn, just bought a property. First well, of all, you haven't, haven't just bought it. Well, you've, you've done the hard yards to get to offer an acceptance. <laughs> yes. Hopefully, you got some good negotiation done and you found a great deal and you've got a contract in place. Congratulations if that's the place. You Now, there's more work. Mm. Yeah, not, yeah there's, there's definitely... And there's, there's a lot of uh, emotions at this, this point too. Yeah. Just tell me about that. Well, let's, uh, let's sort of cover off. So, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go an example first. So... There's the time we under contract. There's a number of things that need to get to top of the list before you actually go um, unconditional and settle on the property. Correct, because you just bought a biz- you bought a property, sorry, and you're just <laughs> like, oh wow, what do I do now? Yeah, you're like, Ooh. and then you have, as I said in the last podcast, people get by remorse. They might freak out. Um, they might be unsure whether, like I was anyway. Like, all I'm know, I'm finance approved, but like, is this going to go through? Mm-hmm. And then your broker sits there and says, it'll be fine but we won't fully know until we actually get that 
unconditional finance on a bank. What? You're waiting for this letter from the bank. So we now have allowed you to borrow $500,000 and be in debt to us. Yeah. Well, I remember my first deal, uh, my first property, I had no idea, like no idea what happens after you purchase because like what do you do? Like I was like, all right, so I need a solicitor. You recommended me a solicitor, the agent. Uh, buyer's agent I was using recommend a solicitor. How do I choose a solicitor? I mean, I guess we sh- we'll get a solicitor on. We'll talk about all of these things that we're going to cover in bullet points today. We'll talk about them more in depth in following episodes to this. Mm, these are these are really the foundation. These are the foundations. So we want to get these nuggets of gold mm. and always refer back to. Um, and before we start getting, I guess, uh, guests on the, the podcast, so. Yeah, correct. And reach out to us if you need any help with any of these things as well. So first and foremost, you've got the contract for sale. Mm. You've signed it. Offer and acceptance. Offer is, yeah, This accepted. is yours. How this, exciting. How exciting. Congrats, guys. Yeah. That's it. So, uh, what do you do? Well, what, you said you got an example, so maybe run through one. Uh, well, the first thing that uh, it depends on where you're at in that stage. Some people like to get the contracts reviewed by the solicitors uh, prior to um going on to, uh, under contract yeah so um what that really is is get a blank contract you put it in front of your solicitor and they look over it and say look there's no clauses in there that's going to stuff you around you know go for it um and then once you get it you know fully under contract then uh, we'll go through and we'll do all our title searches and our um, research on the, on the back end making sure that there's no sort of hidden um hidden items that could be of a concern like an example would be um, if you're going through a unit, they've got strata reports. Uh, you might read through it and it might make sense, but um, you don't see them every day. So there's going through the meeting minutes mm. in a strata report to understand what have they been talking about, what works are required on that complex. Mm-hmm. There might be, a, like with units, and that's why as an investment vehicle, I'm not a big fan of because there's mm-hmm. more maintenance involved, there's less scarcity, but also there are special levies that can be hit to the owners on top of the um, uh, the rates that you pay every single month. Um, so like you got the body corporate and the strata expenses, but then they might have a special levy that says, hey, look, we now have a leaking issue in the roof and we didn't account for this. We need $500,000 to fix this. It's not in our budget. Um, between all th- 10 of us in this unit, mm-hmm. that's $50,000 each. Mm-hmm. We can get it done. Where's your 50 grand? Was, it, was I talking to you about an example? Uh, were you telling me about it or somebody else was telling me about it that they had to pay, the unit block had to pay $100,000 extra each oh, wow. on uh, some changes they needed to make to to their unit block. I, I think it was in, in my suburb. But I want to get back to in line with what we're talking mm-hmm. about, a solicitor, um, it can re- they can review the contract prior so they can review your blank contract or they can review a contract of sale that you have uh, signed. But what, you know, for me, each one that I've done, I've done, I've got it reviewed after a contract of sale has been signed. So what percentage of people do go and ask for a blank contract and get it reviewed first? And that can typically slow the deal down as well, right? You could... Yeah, majority of people, you want to get it looked over by a solicitor. Like for your example, it was a weekend, the solicitors weren't working. Um, well, that was the last one anyway. Yeah. The other one, I was just went ahead with it. And then we like, you put clauses in there saying, you know, that 
uh, and this is a key clause to use if agents do put pressure or you want to move fast is that um, it is subject to a solicitor's review mm. over the whole contract because the solicitor could come back and say, wow, this has got you know major issues and then you can pull out and there's no penalty. Um, so what percentage of people get get the, get a contract review prior to the contract of sale being signed? Uh, well, the way we run our business would be um, we get the offer and acceptance verbally uh-huh. and then we get the, we pass through their, um, uh, the entity name they're purchasing in, and their solicitor details, mm-hmm. and then it um, gets sent to the solicitor to review, and then um, when it's all ticked off, then it gets you know signed uh, from the the buyer. So that's the, the process we run. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That way, it's covering um, covering them, and the solicitor's getting their you know, view over it. So that's majority of the time. Uh, but percentage wise, maybe like eighty twenty, we do ones where. They don't get reviewed by a solicitor, but there's a clause in place um, to cover so your back end. Exit if you need. Because you don't want to be signing stuff. And I know we went through this conversation too. Like you don't want to be signing stuff that you don't know what you're signing. Yeah. And you don't have to know what's signing. Your solicitor needs to know that stuff. That's what you're paying it for. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get a contract review. It's usually either free with solicitor or conveyancer, or maybe a couple hundred bucks um, if you don't go through. But if you do go through with the purchase, then that. It gets taken off. Taken off, yeah. 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 Uh, solicitor and conveyancer. Is a, is a solicitor conveyancer as well? Uh, from what I know, a solicitor is a bit more uh, fancy. Than a fancy uh, They're more educated. Yeah. They've got more, um, I guess, accolades and experience and yeah. qualification under their belt. Uh, but generally, you'll be working with a conveyancer. Um, and if, it's, like, if a solicitor is doing it, it's generally their... Um, Get it. We'll get it. We'll get this list wrong, but we will. the way that I've seen it in the past is their support team does all the due diligence checks, and mm-hmm. they just do a quick little review before sending it back to you. Yeah. Uh, but the conveyancer they specialise in property mm-hmm. contract law, so um, there's often some conveyancers are more experienced than your solicitors, but they kind of all mash in between each other. In my opinion, anyway, it might be wrong, but uh, there could be solicitors out there saying. This guy's a dickhead. He doesn't know <laughs> who he's talking about, but that's not my wheelhouse. Yeah, it's not what you paid to do, and that's totally okay. Yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my perception of it over uh, yeah, um, fifteen years of property. So yeah, I mean, you know, you know what you're talking about. Like, guys, we we are gonna we do want to get these different solicitors, conveyances, and all the people that we're going to talk about on as guests each individually, uh, but. A lot of you guys listening, you probably dealt, you might have dealt with a solicitor or a conveyancer or some of the other people that we're going to talk about in term that we use to go through the settlement process. If you have somebody that you do want us to interview that you think was very knowledgeable and very good, recommend them to us. Uh, and because we are on the hunt for good quality professionals, that's all we do is yeah. we 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 know who we want to use. If we go and buy a property tomorrow, we know who we're going to use. But we want to test who we're using against other people to make sure our team gets better and better and better and better as we go through and we as we go through our journey and our and our well, as uh, we scale portfolio. Too, yeah, people can't take on too much work. That's kind of where we're at that at the moment. Where yeah. you can get re- like really great referrals, but there's only so many hours in a day for these professionals to help other people. So we're yeah. always looking for new. Yeah, new talent. New talent, better talent, and then we can recommend better people for you guys as well. So, yeah. All right, so 
Sorry? Sidetrack. Sidetrack. Solicitor, conveyancer, uh, you get that done. Then, well, like, it, it depends on your offer. So um, let's, let's run down that if you don't, if you have an unconditional offer, which means it's not subject to finance or building a pest, mm-hmm. you're pretty much, um, you're done. You have to buy it. You, you're settling that regardless. Yeah. Um, Even if you can't get financed and then you get a big old fee if you can't yeah, pay for it, right? It's a massive penalty. That what, is, what are we looking at? Uh, if you pull out, I mean, the... It's different in different states. Yeah, but generally, if um, you pull out, there's... You can get sued for, say, damages. Um, so if they sold... A, if you paid $1.5 million for it and then you pulled out and then you stuffed them around, they've gone and sold that property you know, after you've stuffed them around for 1.4, they can sue you for hundred grand, Possibly. Or like, any expenses. As an example, that's it. Total example and yeah. very general. We're not lawyers, but, but yeah. And then there's obviously there's just only go unconditional offers if you know that your finance is going to get pushed through, mm-hmm. and um, you either are a builder, so you don't need a building a pest, or the property is you know structurally sound. You've got a lot of confidence in it, or you've done the building a pest upfront. Would you ever sign it and go unconditional without? finance approval if you were going for finance and and knowing knowing that you can get finance but actually having <laughs> like the finance if you haven't had the conversation with your broker i'd say you, you're a bit of a dumb dumb yeah <laughs> dumb dumb <laughs> oh, no I like, you don't just go i want to buy a property i'll put an offer in it oh whatever unconditional like you yeah. could get out of it by pleading ignorance and saying that i'm not educated i'm not used to this um but that's a whole legal battle you just don't yeah. want to fight in your life correct yeah. Uh, so if you were going down the building and pest and the finance route, the next step is you've got to organise your building and pest inspector to go in. Generally, um, they're maybe a seven or a fourteen day uh, building and pest clause, mm. which means you have to get it done within that time period. So you need to have a, a good tip is know who you're going to use before. before. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, organise them, and they're getting before that. you put a contract for sale in place. Yeah. Typically, you. It's smart to know what solicitor you want to use before you put a contract for sale in place mm-hmm. and you're building impressed as well. And give them a heads up say, hey, mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing. So it's not like, oh, hey, um, John. Betty, Betty Lou, you know, yeah. haven't spoken to you for like six years. I just want a property I need you to actually um, get this through within the next two days because otherwise I'm going to lose the deal. Yeah. Like imagine if someone called you in your profession and was like, I need this really done now. You'd be like, oh, come on, mate. Yeah. Give me a break. Well, yeah, would be anyway. Or, or pay me, pay me an extra, yeah, know, five, ten grand. Yeah. Just oh, you want that? No worries. Fast track it. I'll put, put my clients on hold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rambling again, but yeah, do that. Building a pest, organize it, uh, because you want to also you need the time to get the building a pest back. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've got that clause in there, that means you can pull out the deal within whatever you, days you state. Um, Say it's a fourteen day building a pest, and there's something wrong. That you're like, well, the slab is going to be split in half soon because of subsidence. Yeah, yeah uh, cracking in the bricks. You can pull out. out. Yeah, um, but you, th- those days are for you to not only get the building and pest done, get the report back, read the report, and then go back to them with, yes, I'm happy to go ahead, or no, based on this building and pest, and then you renegotiate, you know, your terms um, or the or even the price. So. Uh, example of property I've bought uh, where it needed restumping and we negotiated 
$30,000 off the contract price that we originally had to restump it. Um, and that was completely fine. You give them the option to say, you you do it or you know, we do it. We've got you know, quotes. And that's that's where it starts coming you know, in that gray area where a lot of people that, uh, because they're not in it every day, mm. they might see that and go, whoa. You know, they just, just jump out of the deal yeah. completely yeah. versus like, hey, this is a bit of an opportunity to, to save a bit of money here. Yeah, because you get quotes, something is range between like they weren't, the whole probably wasn't required restumping, but mm-hmm. you know, it was, uh, we got quotes between twenty and $25,000, we mm-hmm. reduced the price by $30,000, mm-hmm. so it, we'll net ahead by five to ten grand on that one. Um, so it, it worked out quite well, but um, it's that's also a different client, different play, we're doing a subdivision play, going buy, retain, subdivide off, and then you can either look to knock down that property in the next 10 years and build a new one. Yes. There's a whole new reason, whole reasons why you go certain strategies and um, why you accept certain issues with buildings. And even in the most basic case, uh, on my WA property, uh, there was something in the roof that needed to be fixed and it's going to cost about four grand. We're like, look, do you want to, you guys can do it or, you know, we'll do it. Um, but whatever way we're, we're dropping 4 k or whatever it is off the price or we'll settle at the same price if you guys get it done prior to settlement. And if we need to extend settlement, that's totally okay by us. We don't need to rush the deal. We just want to buy a good deal um, with those issues resolved, right? Yeah, and your building person inspector, they're, they're fully like, they're third party, you know, they get paid to do the report and they don't care if you buy it or not. Yeah, and they're really good so people. good. I think that's yeah. so important how it's set up that way. Yeah, so call them and, and don't just read the report and be left wondering what if. Like. If you don't understand it, you need to understand it. It's like anything that you're doing your due diligence on, you should prove that it's a bad investment. If you can't, then you must buy. Mm. That's my philosophy. Uh, and if you if there's something about that deal, that property that you don't understand, that's a risk because mm. you don't understand it. Yes. Yeah. It's so, un- so understand it. Yeah, yeah. That's um, you pay them five to seven, five hundred to a thousand dollars. What's a what's a phone call for thirty minutes to understand something? But the most of them do expect the phone call. Yeah, um, they won't obviously invite into their life, but it's always good to just call them and understand it, and also refer like get an idea and oh well, what would that cost to fix? Yeah. Do you have? Or who should I get a quote from? Exactly. Yeah, that yeah, and they all have referral networks because that's how they work. That's mm-hmm. how most of business in Australia, in my opinion, works. Is yeah, just everywhere. Just talking and knowing good people to deal with mm-hmm. and then you just refer each other good business. So. Yeah. You're crazy not to, like, because those building and pest inspectors that uh, do this every day, they know who's good and who's not good and they're going to refer people to the best people that they know. It's just mm. like when we refer people to you guys, it's they're the best and they're people that we would we would use on our own properties and our own team um, because we, we know so many different people in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So you're best off like trusting that building and pest inspector where you're going to go away and get that quote because mm. you know they're going to be you know, the best roofer in that area. And generally, I say you get two to three quotes, like yeah. three ideally, um, and that's you know, with most things. Stack them up against each other. Yeah, yeah. and then you can also play them off each other um, if you want to go if down that wanna, path. Yeah. Um, but it's not really playing it off and say, hey, um, XYZ is doing it for this much, and, you know, I prefer to use you. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not, like, the biggest thing in, 
business and property that I've come across is never go the cheapest route. Yes. Because then you, like, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys, I believe, wholeheartedly in that expression. So it costs, uh, it costs money to fix, it costs you more money in the long run to fix what wasn't done correctly. Yes. Yes. That's a good point. I have been burnt many not, times not, not by all, going cheap. Not all the time, yeah. <laughs> but um, I guess, yeah, majority. Oh, mate, I got this. Yeah. Tell um, us. So I got a, a one of my <laughs> one of my investor properties. Um, in this is actually in Kira in Queensland. Yeah. Uh, in the beach. It's um. Ah, oh, mate, I got a handyman to go out there, and <laughs> because in, we're we're experiencing a massive trade shortage at the moment, and mm. also that is a. a are going to be a, a bigger issue in the future, labour shortages for the population growth that Australia is experiencing. Hence why I'm really positive on property price growth over the, the long term. Um, our issue is going to be with labour. So if you are thinking about doing trade works, like at the moment um, when COVID, the lockdown, the supply of materials, supply of trades very scarce, so the cost of everything went up. Mm. Um, and I was in this situation where it was just my cupboard door. Uh, there was like a corner cupboard door in the kitchen. It had come off um, and it just required to be put back on. And I was like, all right, um, I, I, I wasn't going to go around and do it. Uh, I'm not a handyman, or even though I know how to use a drill. I knew what to do. I even explained you know, what strip hinge you needed to, to use. You should have called Brizzo. Yeah, but he's up in Brisbane, isn't he? So we got a mate. Who his name's Ryan, and we call him Brizzo because he's from Brisbane. Yeah, we're very unique. Um, he would have hated. He would have hated a call. Um, fix the cupboard for me, please. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, but then so I drive down from Brisbane, charge me a daily rate. I, I'm all for like mates. Is um, they're good to use, but I use. Well, if it's right for them and it's good for them, great. If not, find somebody else. Right. But, but pay full freight. Pay what. People yeah. Pay. Work. Yeah. Not. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, well, I can do this for you, but it, I'm actually like the worst thing you could do. I think is to underpay your friend. I, yeah, well, the, yes, there's like the favors and everything, but yeah. I mean, it gets to a stage where it's like, if you do this favor for me, then you're reducing your take home pay, so you're essentially paying to do the job for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah. Like, I guess we're at that stage now where uh, we we're in a unique position. We don't need to, we don't need to yeah. do that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, when you're younger, like, you're hustling, you're trying to get favors for everyone. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, this, this, you got a handyman yeah, down you there. Yeah, you went around there. Put him on backwards or something. No. <laughs> dickhead. Oh, like, like, he, instead of using a strip hinge, um, people probably don't know what that is, but anyway, he's basically just screwed through the front of the um, chipboard and the laminate. Um, so now I've got these two big screw holes, actually, four screw holes on each of the hinges coming out, coming out in the kitchen. So you look at it, you walk in, you're like, Wow. <laughs> wow. Like, it's, I don't know. I don't want to show what. Like, the, the, pl- the place is, uh, yeah, it's a three bedroom place near the beach. It's, it's quite nice. And it's just going to ruin my kitchen. And obviously, I'm a bit pedantic about that. Like, yeah. The tenants didn't mind. But at the same time, I look at that and go, wow, that's paying peanuts. You're getting monkeys. And I, well, for that stage, I just couldn't find any trades to actually go in and do it. And uh, my property manager, uh, had a last minute stab, and you know, I learned a good lesson. So, <laughs> sharing still bitter about your it. property manager. So, Spinksy have it, gave it a go. Oh, so yeah, we've got a friend, our friend manages that property, right? Yeah, yeah, it was um, 
So he and he. I don't. I can't recall in his defence whether it was me that put it forward or whether it was him that put it forward. I put one person forward, but anyway. Um, anyway another, so, another tip on this one is don't pay the trades until you've seen proof of work, um, and tell your property managers good to point. not do it as well. So the the, the fee the, the tenant said that it had been fixed, so the property manager paid it. I then looked at you know proof of work and the photos and lost my marbles because I can't believe I paid some dude to ruin my kitchen. Yeah. So, um, well, yeah, not ruin, but just one panel, which I'm going to have to go back and fix up. But anyway, it's only, it's only a couple hundred bucks max. Yeah. That's factored into your maintenance. But anyway, that's... It's if just... you're listening to this, handyman, <laughs> talking about you. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> ruin my kitchen. Kira. Uh do you remember? I've got a funny story that I want to share with everybody. It's uh, it's hilarious because you bought that property and I was with my previous partner, Danny, oh, yeah. and uh, we drove past that property and there was a for sale sign out the front that had the sold sticker on it. Yeah, do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. And what we did, I was like, oh, you know what we should do is we should get a photo of us, a selfie of us out the front of the property with a, with the property sign and the sold sticker on it and take a photo and we're just gonna we just did it for you and Kayla, uh, your partner, and as a as a joke, I'm like, oh look, we just bought this property and I put it on Facebook straight away and everybody thought I just bought this property. Yeah, well, we, so yeah, and I felt so bad, I felt so guilty. I was like, I just put a photo up with no description on Facebook and everyone was like, Oh my god, Jared bought his first property or he bought a property Congratulations, mm. but they just led to the assumption that it was mine, but I just took a photo of a sign. Well, you would assume <laughs> that, wouldn't you? You would. It puts a random photo of yeah. themselves. But there was yeah. just for lols, but I've never done that actually. I've never taken a photo in front of a property I bought myself. Yeah, or you know, people could do it in front of any property sign to, with any properties. Oh yeah, you, you know, know what I mean? Sharky people are like, I bought this property yeah. and I just walked past someone else's sign. And you bought sign. 20 properties in one month with all these different <laughs> signs. Good, I have. I just <laughs> sold another one, I bought another one. Yeah. Agents, real estate agents could do that, like with all the ones they've sold. Oh, you look but at some anyway. of their Instagrams and, and their sales campaigns and it's like recently sold and you're like, you didn't sell that. Yeah. But they're just giving you, in their mind, they're giving you market feedback for their suburb. Like this sub probably sold for this. But the way that it's delivered looks like they've sold it. Yes. When you dig further in, you're like somebody else. You just, well, anyway, that's yeah. to each their own. Some, some, some lols on the pond. Let's get back to it. So you solicitor, <laughs> building and pest. Yeah. Then once you've got your building and pest basically sorted, yeah. um, and that's you would call, quote, unquote, unconditional building and pest. Yes, so then you move on. And if you've got a finance clause, often, uh, I mean. <laughs> First thing you want to do with your finance, though, is try and get, Try and get your finance sorted ASAP as soon as you sign the contract. Well, you've sale, got your right? pre-approval in place. You shouldn't be going under contract without the pre-approval. So yes. Your broker's aware. Um, if you're within that 90-day period, is very important. Yes. But um, then your your finance terms and conditions generally run, say, 21 days to 30 days. Um, mm -hmm. And that's also... Fluctuating. So during COVID, we uh, after COVID, sorry, there was the uh, big ramp up, and you're laughing about this because I, I kind of did it. I did a bit of a um, 
interesting <laughs> play from a negotiation standpoint because an agent was um, pushing me, and I was like, "Well, if you want to get this done, you know, this is the deal. This is the deal that we we just went through. Yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was months ago. It yeah. was months ago. Yeah. But um, now, yeah, I ended up going. Well, okay, that's fine. And I think I put a fourteen day finance on it. Yeah, he put fourteen day finance clause, and I took I sent it on the weekend to my broker and my broker almost just said stuff you make like you go find another broker basically he's just like who the hell would do this and it was like at the end of the year and banks are about to shut down and he's like you just yeah it was my 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 reasoning behind that was um it painted a really nice picture because the the seller wanted something to happen before christmas and this is not generally what happens. Um, I just was like, well, let's go in 14 days. He had his pre-approval in place. And it worked because we got a, a good price on it. Yeah. And we got the was, price through the speed on good terms good. and then we changed the terms. And because the agent was pushing me to get it done on the weekend, uh, we had the solicitor clause in there as well so we could back out. We could re- renegotiate the terms for the uh, broker as well uh, for the, like the, the finance settlement period. So, Which is a really good thing to bring up. Because through that period, I understood how each party could be a bit frustrated. Well, I wasn't frustrated because I got a good deal, right? And I extended. Oh, a sick deal. Yeah, I got a great deal. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and I extended the terms on finance and building a pest. And I know that that wasn't the greatest thing for me to do on my part of the deal. So what I did is I made sure that everybody else was happy. And so I worked with my solicitor and then i spoke to the selling agent as like multiple times during the weeks i've just like oh i've got to do it this way i can't do it this way you know my finance person says this my building and pest like i don't want to do it i want to get this deal done now but i just have to apologize i'm super sorry like i've got the money i want to i want to get it done because i did i wanted to get it done before christmas and uh i was genuine but i just had to just basically manage those relationships so everybody was still happy that it was going to go through yeah and we had yeah. a chat about and that's this. a good that's a good point for everybody to think about it's like if you are going to change terms just be straight up front with with the with everybody yeah. in the deal so, and i i wouldn't advise going down that strategy it was just we had a pretty lengthy discussion about it and yeah. um given it was the right thing situation. it worked it was the right thing for us to do yeah. it was definitely the right it was approach. cheeky it was cheeky but it was cheeky because he was pushing and then it was there and the deal could be done i was like you know what if it all falls out, it doesn't matter. We've got another one to go on to and we had other options. It's just that this was um, – there was an opportune time, so I went mm. for it and uh, it worked out the way I expected, which is great. Um, would I do it again? Yes, I would. Under, this, <laughs> under the circumstances, like at the end of the day, he accepted it. Yeah, the selling always, agent, was the agent accepted and he knew that finance was not going to get improved in that no, short time yeah, frame. No. So he knows the deal that we're working <laughs> with and we had this discussion so with yeah. the agent but um, it was just good because he had, uh, long story, but the, the seller obviously there, there was a situation going on the back end in order to get these, this deal through. They wanted to sell it. It went down this path and it was completely fine. We had the conversation if terms needed to get changed. Prior to signing the contract, this is for me just, just disclaiming some people are going to be out there going, "You did what?" But uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot more conversation between myself, the agent, you, yeah, um, planning this strategy, and it's and just, the contract wouldn't have got signed unless everybody was happy at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. So but it worked out well, and we actually uh, scored an absolute deal. How yeah. much how much equity have we built in that one? In the what we settled, 
three, four months ago. Uh, and then you saw a comparable that had what an extra fifty. So we bought for four okay. four hundred and fifty five thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars, and the comparables in that street alone were around this. So a bit of complexities, but yeah, we break it down. Um, there was a DHA lease over the property, and that was holding all the owner occupiers away from it. The DHA lease had two years left on two it. Two years left. Um, and as an investor, Jared was looking for the cash flow. DHA have high management costs, but there's a lot more detail that people don't understand. Which the, the, look, the terms on the lease with the DHA agreement are, are, are very good for the owner of the property, especially at the end. Like if you can find something with a DHA lease with say one or two years left on it, mm. um, this property itself had been under that lease agreement for over uh, nine years, mm. and as a result, in the lease they state they repaint, they recarpet. And they also do the external paint and landscaping. Mm-hmm. So that alone is about $20,000 worth in work. And, and Jared, we're coming in on the tail end of that lease agreement. Yeah. And also you're getting guaranteed rent. Anything that goes wrong with the property, they, they, pay, they pay for and they fix. So there's... Um, it, but anyway, um, lot, the, the strategies within strategies. So the deal itself, um, 455000 Yeah. The owner occupiers in that market would be paying five hundred to five fifty for that at that time. Mm-hmm. From what I could see, mm-hmm. it's just that because of that lease restriction, they couldn't buy it and move and in straight away. In. Yeah, so that it eradicated that market out. I saw a fantastic opportunity, and we obviously went into contract. Um, the sellers were obviously motivated, um, and I obviously tracked the market and were very comparable. Uh, property with the same lease terms just went under contract uh, for five hundred and ten. So we're looking at say fifty five thousand dollars. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, but that's also in an inferior location too. So Jared's on a more superior owner occupied um, location within that suburb. So the way I see it is that you're probably looking around that you know five twenty five to five fifty as it is. Uh, so we'll. We'll get a value to go through and actually we should do that in um, the next purchase and see what it comes up as. We will. I'll be I'll be really interested actually. So, yeah. Uh, we yeah. might even pull some equity for for, for a larger acquisition in the next one. So uh, that's that's we won't go into that too much because <laughs> yeah, we did get sidetracked. But uh, the so finance, there's a lot of nuances there, but basically there's a speak with your broker, speak with a selling agent and work to get it unconditional. Yeah. Uh, and then... Uh, well, finance, it is nerve-wracking. We spoke about that at the start. So um, you get the deal deal through, you send it to your broker, they put that forward to the bank that um, they're, they're going forward with um, and then you have to basically sit on your hands and wait for the bank to come back to you with a letter saying we have accepted your... Uh, loan application, and that's when it goes um, to be a basically unconditional finance. Mm. Um, so you're all approved, and then it's just doing that transaction, and your solicitable or conveyancer will help with the um, handover of, of finances and, and funds. Yeah. Um, but before, so they talk together. Like the bank and the and the solicitor talk together and and work all that out. And yeah. And you have. We'll talk about pre-settlement and stuff soon. Yeah, so the, the next step for you then is once you've got all those boxes ticked, your, your building pass is good, your finance has been uh, all approved, and then you just have to wait around for settlement, however long you've negotiated that. 
Um, and there is always a pre-settlement inspection where you can go into the property before it settles. Uh, at this stage, the owners have got all their stuff out or the tenants have moved out. You can go through and it's an important thing to do. If you can't do it yourself, obviously having a property manager on your side to go in and inspect the property if you're going to rent it out to make sure like they're going to be looking around what needs to be done to get this up to rent. Yes. I don't want a headache. So they're going to be taking photos of things that need to be. Yes. Yeah. And the reason why you do that is because often people don't leave properties the way that you expected. There might be holes in the wall. There might be, you know, especially those, the, the, t- the wall mounted TVs. They take the TV off. They might yeah. leave the wall mount thing on. It's an eyesore. Um, <laughs> it's simple stuff. You might just have to, you know, bog and um, just change a few things. Yeah. It. But if you can get them to do it, uh, yeah, do it every day. Yeah. Prior to settlement, you want to push for that to get done. Um, because it should be on them. Yeah. You know, you don't want to back out on a finance clause. They don't want you to back out on a quote unquote finance clause because a couple of things that need to be fixed in the property aren't up to scratch and you don't want to deal with it. Mm. Uh, you wouldn't do that, but it's something that you can use to your advantage. Also, when it comes to settlement, <coughs> the solicitor will let you guys know how much the final figure that you need to have in a certain account or put into a mm. certain account. To, for your deposit on that. Uh, so you'll liaise with your finance broker and your solicitor to know what that final settlement amount is for that deposit, which mm. I think is pretty important to note. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that just gets sucked out of your account. Yep. And you can get a whole new bank account with all your, you have negative, like well, you're in debt by hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, or more depending on the asset. So but the key is you're holding an asset that's appreciating in value and you're leveraging your call it $100,000 to control yeah. a $600,000 asset, which yeah. when it compounds and grows over time, your equity component is, is multiplying. It's so. a really good book by George Anton um, called The Debt Millionaire. Uh, one of my previous business partners um, said, go away and read that, and I suggest you guys do too. It's it's really, really good. Yeah, we want to get it into the um, website, right? It's a link. Yeah. Do? So yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll give you guys a bunch of books on our site that we recommend to basically get you guys set up for investing in property and then also scaling a property portfolio. Um, books that we have read that we recommend that you should on your journey. So we'll send you a link. Uh, probably in the show notes. Um, it'll probably be propertypals.au forward slash books, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but the link will be in the show notes or you'll be able to find it on the site pretty easy. Um, so then you've got your finance settled, your pre-settlement settled. Uh, then what? Well, then handover. you got a handover. Yeah. That's the last stage where you go in, you get the keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got a property manager who's doing that, then, you know, they pick up the keys for you. It's a fantastic mm-hmm. service. Love property managers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you pick up the keys, take a copy, make sure you've got multiple, uh, I guess, keys. You don't want to give your keys to, say, a tenant. And then if they lose it, which sometimes they do, then you have to get a locksmith out. It's a pain in the ass. Anyway, the title's all changed to your name. You now own the asset. Congratulations. You've now invested or you've bought a property that not many people can do in their lifetime. So mm-hmm. you sit back and just think about what you've achieved it's it's a very important part of, of someone's life i think and yeah i agree not many people do get there so it's an absolute game changer because you're buying something at market price 
and it's going to be at a very different price in the future and you're using debt to do it and you're beating, you basically typically should be, depending on the asset you purchase and the deal terms, but you should be beating inflation and putting your money to work for you rather than you working for your money. And mm. uh, the larger, I shouldn't say the more properties you have, but it should be the larger the, the uh, amounts or the valuation of your property portfolio, uh, the better off you're going to be. Yes, I caveat with you know cash flow, cash flow, yes, and amount of yeah amount of debt as well. So we will have to talk about uh, selling out strategies and um, for people that are retiring mm. uh, versus like aggressive growth strategies like this guy Jared's doing. <laughs> yeah, but you I mean you're young, but that time too, it's yeah, like, you know, compounds, and you have an aggressive acquisition phase, mm. and then you just sit back and let it compound over time. Um, but you're always, we're always just checking in from where your cash flow sits to make sure you can support that property. Um, of course. And you want to be able to make sure that portfolio is holding its own um, unless you've got a higher income and you want to reduce tax, but you should never invest for tax purposes. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. And you can't retire. Or There are strategies out there where you can retire on, um, I guess, the equity where but you, in order to do that, and this yeah. is what's a, a fall in the strategy. Is this that, is another pot in itself, to be honest. Yeah, true. It's 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 uh, <laughs> because it's yeah, what are they call debt recycling. Yeah, well, yeah, you, you're pulling the equity recycling. out and you're, paying, and you're using that equity to to fund your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. In order to do that, you need cash flow. So if you want to retire and you have no cash flow, then you can't pull the equity out. So it's a null and void strategy. Mm-hmm. You have to sell down that asset, and then that asset becomes, I guess, you, you're realizing it's. It's net worth, and then that cash is now held in today's dollars. And if you're not investing that cash, then it's depreciated over time because inflation's eating away at your um, your your worth of your cash. And some people don't understand when you take equity out is you're increasing your amount of debt. Yeah, if you're doing well, yeah, yeah. So you, then your ability to you have to service that. Correct. So you pull out hundred grand. You had seven hundred thousand dollars in debt. Now you've got. Eight hundred thousand dollars in debt, so you're paying the debt on that. Yeah, you could call it kicking the can down the road, baby. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to wrap this one up, guys. Everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you go and uh, hit us up at hello at Property Powers with any questions you have, and we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, cheers, guys. <laughs>